I'm your host for this episode, Adam, and with me as always is my co-host, Joe. Say hi to the people, Joe. Hey, we're finally back. I know. Oh, man. Unintentional hiatuses are the best, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're back. Uh, Unintentional hiatuses and technical difficulties, too. Those are are great. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. we're past it now. That's the important thing, right? I love it. Yes. So uh, today we are going to talk about this wonderful event that happened in the gaming sphere called Gamergate. Dun dun dun. Yeah, real real dramatic stuff there. Uh, it's, it can be it can be a pretty controversial subject. I think enough. I think we're removed enough from the situation that we can just have a pretty honest conversation about it. Right. But I'm coming from the perspective of I knew something about it and then did a bunch of research for this episode. And Joe, what do you know about Gamergate? Basically nothing. Yes. It was something so. everyone was talking about on like 8chan. And 8chan's not real life. Yeah. And that's really all I remember. But I'm not I'm I'm not an 8chan user or a 4chan user. I was on Reddit a bit, so like I would hear about it now and then back then. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't have much experience with it. So yep, yeah. I think I think this will make for an interesting conversation. And I just hope that you're not biased as heck. Who me? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we all have our little biases here and there, but I'll try to I'll approach this from as neutral a position as I can. But where I've where I've made up my mind, I'll let you know and where I'm flexible, I'll let you know. Deal? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it could be, you know, like how there's a lot of those there's a lot of political podcasts where like they're doing their fair interview and then it's like, "Okay, you clearly only looked at the research from one side." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You said I did get a I did get a fair amount of both side research on this, so I think I can I think I can straw man pretty well both sides. So uh, all I'll, that I'll, I'll trust you on this one, but we'll get to that later because first no, we need to do soapboxes. Yeah, we'll we'll leave Infowars where it is. <laughs> anyway, bad whatever. I, I hate Infowars. Anyway, I'm gonna get on this soapbox for a minute, and I need to rant about something that I found very annoying. Uh, during our hiatus, so wait, I think uh, I can guess what this is. Probably not. It. I, I might. It's not Super Mario Party, is it? No, it's not. Okay, okay. It's not. It's not. <laughs> this is something I've been wanting to rant about for a few weeks, but ooh, uh, so like, so answering. So I got Bravely Default two for my birthday, and I played through it all, and it is a very good game. I enjoy it. It's a solid uh, job class based RPG. Definitely recommend, but it reminded me, yeah, it is, but it reminded me of something that I really hate, which is alternate endings in games. My gosh, you can really flub it up bad when there's alternate endings. And now the reason why I don't like alternate endings is because I like knowing what actually happened, Mm. right? And if you accidentally stumble into a false ending, then it's like, uh was that it that was unsatisfying and then like you quit playing the game and you're like that game was great until the end what the hell happened 
you know, and it's like, oh, there's actually more. And I've, I've come across several games where, like, there's a false ending and it's like, oh, well, crap. I guess I need to open up a guide so that way I can get the true ending because I want to know what actually freaking happened. But so with Bravely... You mostly despise this with RPGs? Well, yeah, because there's a whole lot of time commitment to it. Yeah. But what about right? non-RPGs? Are you kind of more neutral on that? Because I personally really like multi yeah, I guess it depends on how much time investment there is to get to said ending. But uh, I really need to rail on Bravely Default's way of doing uh, fake endings here, Bravely Default 2, because you have to play through two false endings to get to the true ending. Yeah, that's no, non-negotiable, that's no. and I think that's complete BS. That's That's silly. You cannot get to the true ending until you've experienced both false endings, and it's like... Why would you decide that? Well, do you have to do a full another playthrough? No, you don't. But like, there's significant amounts of content between false ending one, false ending two, and then true ending. Okay, are are the two are the two things you have to do like radically different? No, or just and... play the same play the game the same way. But there's a couple things because like Shadow the Hedgehog had multiple endings, but to get the other <laughs> endings, you had to play entirely different levels. So it was not True. egregious. It it wasn't quite like that. It's basically like you get to false ending one, and then when you reload your save file, you're outside of what was the quote unquote final battle, and like a different story event happens, and you're like, uh, we should turn back. So you turn back. And then you go down the path for False Ending 2, which involves, like, another dungeon, so about another hour of playtime, right? Okay. And then you get to False Ending 2, and False Ending 2 happens, and then there's no indication of anything after that, but or there's a slight indication of something's missing. And then you can go and search out for the true ending, but to get to the true ending, you have to fight, a, you have to fight another boss, who's a who's kind of like on the edge of what I would call a super boss. And mm -hmm. by, by super boss, I mean like a boss that's harder than what you would expect a normal player to go through in the playthrough. So it's like one of those really weird, steep difficulty curves. Then admittedly it's near the end, but I would say like this boss you have to beat to get to the true ending is tougher than the actual final boss. Okay. So you do that and then you're able to go to the true ending. And that really annoyed me because I was like, I'm ready to be like, I want this game to be done. Like, you know, this game is good. I've enjoyed it, but I want to see it to its conclusion. And like, I had two false endings, you know, kind of dangled in front of me that I had to go through to get to the true ending. And I was like, I, the, the, it felt like the game wasted my time. And I think that's ultimately the thing that I was upset about. So that's it my It wasn't even narratively interesting. No, it was just... They weren't narratively – well, I'd say one of them was narratively interesting because it revealed a secret character motivation that you didn't know about before. But uh, the second f false ending was just a complete waste of time, like absolutely a waste of time. Yeah, that's too bad. So it's just I, – I felt like my time was wasted and – you know, uh, that brought down the experience ever so slightly. I would still, like, I still recommend the game. I still recommend that it's good. But go in knowing that you got to play through two false endings to get to the true ending. So here's the soapbox, Joe. What do you want to talk about? Well, um, I've, I've been playing a game again recently. I've been playing Doom. Oh. Oh. I don't mean, like, new Doom. I mean, like, old Doom. 
Ah, uh, classic Doom. Okay. And I just wanted to go on a soapbox. How freaking good Doom is. Okay. No, not really. I, I, I guess. <laughs> no, Doom. Doom is amazing. I'm just replaying it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm like, found my true love again. It's, well, yeah. It's, oh good games God. are always going to be good games. Yeah. But what I want to specifically, I want to specifically recommend though, is that at some point Bethesda on the Steam version of Doom, they updated the game. Okay. Like this, this new like port engine that's built in Unity. And I'm, it's really nice. Like it's finally like it doesn't feel like a source port. It's it it plays like I remember the game playing. It's really nice. So, you, so if you, you don't have to Doom, do like DOS, you don't yeah, have to no, do like a DOS, no DOS box, no source ports to find. You just install it and it runs. All so right. if you've never played Doom, now's a pretty good time to get it on Steam and check it out because it's pretty, it even like has there's an add-on thing, so you don't even have to go and find the. WAD packs anymore. Like it comes built in with what's the guy's name? Romero, John Romero. He made an expansion for uh-huh. Doom like a couple years ago. It's just installed on this yeah. version now, and it's that's pretty good, pretty cool. So I'm playing all these new add-on campaigns that have happened over the decades that are like really well known, mm-hmm. and it's really make it's really showing me like how impressive level design that these games were of what the layouts they are managing to make with such a limited engine. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. Like Specifically how the whole Doom map, since it's technically in 2D, they can't have multiple layers in one spot. So it ends up like... It's crazy how sprawling and maze-like these levels are and multi-level they are, and like verticality is in them when the mm-hmm. game technically has no verticality yeah that is interesting it's, it's really really impressive because like even duke nukem you could for those who are a little confused in games now you can put a platform above the floor and then a platform above that and then a staircase above that you could just stack things you couldn't do that in doom yeah because it was a, like it was very much like a limitation of of the time right <laughs> And but they designed the around of, that. Yeah, the crazy levels that i have playing through after... Because these are the levels made after Doom 2 came out, where people just went nuts with these designs of how intricate they become. It's amazing. And it's really cool to be able to rediscover the game in these ways. Because I never really played the original games past Doom 1 and 2, like the expansion yeah. maps one. I never really played them. Okay. And it, it's, it's weird going around Doom maps that I don't know by memory. <laughs> Like, I'm just legitimately getting lost, and the doors are opening, and then a door will open, there's five barons, and I'm just, like, screaming, running out of the room, like, ah, I don't have any rockets! What do I do? Just the the constant panic and the fear of every door. It's like, I got a quick save, because then I opened this door. Doom. Like, I could just be completely doomed. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't you know I was there? You push a button, and then the floor collapses on you, and you just die. It's like, oh, that's... Wow. Rude. Then he do it again, and it's like, ah, I forgot that's a thing. Yeah. Well, still, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're finding new joy in old Doom. Yeah, I haven't played it in a long time, and I'm like, this game is still the king. Every game feels ridiculously slow now. (laughs) Just running around these levels, it's like, yeah, it's it's awesome. Doom is the best. If if you if if you haven't played Doom, just like the old ones. Which I'm finding a lot of people I know haven't. Witness history. 
Yeah. You respect your elders too, right? Yeah. It's like from this came all of this. You need to understand. Like I, I definitely appreciate the thought of you need to understand the lineage of game design. Yeah. Right. I Doom wonder, is have, definitely have one you, of those. Have you even played the original Doom? Have I even played the original Doom? No, yeah. I have not. See? No, I have not. Ladies and gentlemen. I, it, it's certainly available. It's Adam certainly available. You can you can get it literally everywhere. Get it on your calculator. I can get it on my smart fridge. Yeah. That's what I do like about the Steam port is that, yeah, it's been available on PC forever, mm-hmm. but it was kind of weird that the, the standard version you buy would have to run through DOSBox, and they had not updated a PC version officially until last year. Yeah. It was and just kind of nice. Did that just for Because, I mean, they did re-releases of the original Doom. I think it was Doom, Doom 2, and Doom 64, like around the time Doom Eternal came out. And they release those on all major consoles. So it's just like, we have them working on the consoles. We can have them working on the PC again, too. So that makes and sense. they basically move those over to the PC. Mm-hmm. Kind of what it is. So at first yeah. I was like, oh, boy, it's going to be bad. But it's like, no, it plays just like it used to. Yep. Nice. Because a lot of the doing... source ports I've played, yeah, they're pretty close. But it's, there's a weird way. There's little things the way each one handles that I just noticed. was like, this is a little off. Yeah, but I mean, in these new releases defense, like this is an actual official release from it who had the source code this whole time. So yeah, it, it's specifically it, it's in Unity, but it is still using the Doom engine. So it has all the weird little centricities that it had. Yep. So yeah, Doom is good. Yeah, play Doom. You can play it on anything, literally. Good stuff. Okay, well, let's get into the meat and potatoes here, Joe. So, Gamergate was an interesting, uh, <laughs> an interesting event in the the gaming landscape, right? So, I need to take you back to a magical year. I feel is... like I'm going to get canceled after this. Oh, you'll be fine. All right, you'll be fine. We're not popular enough to get canceled. Hey, they're going to run out of people, man. Eh gonna have to start coming after us when they're out of people well you know so long as they don't find our location hidden in our secret bunkers in south america and peru i think we'll be well peru is in south america huh uh south america and portugal will be fine right joe Mm -hmm. of course it helps if i don't tell them that we're in south africa actually anyway um gamergate ta-ta what is a gamergate why was a Gamergate? So uh, I, in my research, I found a lot of different sources, right? I think the two best video sources you can find is there's this one video called Gamergate Controversy Explained Easy Cartoon, which sounds like a horrible title, I must admit, mm-hmm. but actually explains the situation pretty well from the perspective of somebody who was of the stance of, uh, you know, the industry's full of crap. Right. And then there was another series of videos by uh, a YouTuber called Innuendo Studios mm. that is that takes the stance of, uh, you know, gamers need to recognize what the heck this was. So if I were to politicize them for our own understanding, I would say crappy video name, 
kind of leans a little bit on the right and innuendo leans a little bit on the left. But that's not from like the real world American political landscape of right and left. That's just me trying to explain the extremes here. All right. And the best explanation of Gamergate that I got was that Gamergate was a reaction to an industry calling its customers sexist. Okay. So what are the events that led to what, what industry specifically? Uh, the gaming industry, video games. It was calling their own consumers sexist. Uh, it was more like, sorry, it was more like uh, video game industry and games journalism, but it's a little bit, it leans a little bit more on the games journalism side. So games but, journalism were saying gamers were sexist. Yep. I can't say I don't dis- can't say I don't disagree with that statement, but you know. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at the evidence that they were looking at, it kind of makes sense. So let's explain how we got to like you know, one day everything's great. We're just reviewing indie games. To all you gamers are sexist, and you need to change. So, well, I mean, Dead or the Dead or Alive franchise is pretty strong indictment of that idea. <laughs> Oh well, yeah, no, I'm just saying. I'm, I don't think that this Every, mentality. I'm sure there's well, gonna there's there's a lot of this comes from nowhere. But I, as if you told me gamers are sexist as general, I'd be like, I wouldn't be. You're not off. I don't like general. I don't like general. Well, I mean, I feel like it's a bit of a a bad indictment to say that the consumers of a media are, you know bad because some of the media they consume is bad and i i think ultimately we'll get to that uh, as we continue discussing this but it's kind of like you know they're smut in every single artistic medium right and oh yeah games are, it's, games it's, are like no anime it's not there's a few anime that have a lot of stuff like that but there's also a lot that isn't so then yeah and you know one bad apple ruins the whole bunch as well right you're going to focus more on negative examples than on positive examples because the negative examples speak louder so you know your dead or alive your leisure suit larry's your custer's revenge like those are going to scream compared to tetris yeah so uh i don't know i think tetris is pretty sexist dude (laughs) where are the circles (laughs) Uh it's it's a good question. Roll I don't know. Blocks. It's like Roly Poly Oli is rolling in his grave. Let's just say that. Oh, rip. Anyway, um, so one thing I do want to mention is that uh, the you know kind of a note I have in here in in my general notes that I said is that the purpose of bringing up controversial things isn't necessarily to convince people that our point of view is correct, but rather to add nuance to everybody's point of view, right? So like, I'm not approaching this from the perspective of, I want to convince you, dear listener, that this is a correct stance on Gamergate. It's more like I'm articulating what I'm saying to Joe in order to add nuance to both my own understanding and Joe's understanding of where, of what this event was. And then hopefully you, dear listener as well. So know that I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm just saying what I've found and trying to come to a better understanding of what I found myself. Well, so, yeah, it's important to state like your opinion on things because then it it's it makes it clear of like if we don't know where you stand on it, then we can't you can't be objectable about what you're saying. Mm-hmm, a, exactly. A so uh, it, it's why it's why I find it weird when people criticize news people for giving their opinion. It's like they probably should give their opinion so that if they happen to be muddying the waters with their facts. 
you'll know. Yeah, it's clear to know where the mud is, right? Yeah. It's just when Walter Cronkite did it, it was more obvious, I think would uh, yeah. be the way to describe it. Whereas random Joe Smo, uh, CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC reporter, it's a different story. But anyway, all that aside, uh, so I need to take you, Joe, to the magical year of 2012. Do you remember Gosh. 2012, Joe? Do you remember? Really. You remember how uh, there was a mind calendar that ran out of date, so we were all going to die? Good times. Um, I was just 17, <laughs> and I freaking hated life. Yeah. I was, I was a freshman in college, and I hated college. Uh, yeah. But I remember that was the year I really got into YouTube, like as a medium, right? Mm-hmm. Like I had a bunch of free time, and I liked, I really liked exploring the gaming side of YouTube. We're on that new trends. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but I mean, like back in these days, it was like JonTron and, uh, and like normal boots stuff was what I was looking up primarily. Like this was the year that Game Grumps was created, 2012, oh right? I didn't care for it too much back then. But um, all that to say, a viral video started circulating through the web. And since naturally the YouTube algorithm saw the gaming tags, it pointed it in my direction. It was this little video by a feminist named Anita Sarkeesian called Tropes versus Women in Video Games. Okay. And essentially, it, it was the first in a video series where she was going to point out like the tropes that video games use in their narratives for how they portray women and how that affects real life right but when you watch the video um when you watch the videos it's very much like i got the vibe of you know that she was like you know i disagree with all this stuff but also that uh it's kind of hard to explain like two two major themes came out from watching that one she was using very inflammatory language to kind of show the severity of how she felt about the situation mm-hmm. right um, and it was a lot of, you know, it's problematic that Princess Peach is getting kidnapped. It was, it's problematic that Princess Zelda gets kidnapped, even though Princess Zelda is slightly more of a badass. It's problematic that in these modern games, that these women, that these female characters are being used as objects. And, you know, did Zelda get kidnapped in Wind Waker? Yeah, she does. Like at the end. She was. Yeah. And she also gets kidnapped at the end of Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Right. But it was very much a sort of it was a very like negative view on how gaming has handled women throughout the ages. Right. And from a big picture standpoint, the reason for that is because gamings couldn't tell very complex stories before. So they kind of relied on easy storytelling tropes, you know, save the princess plots, if you will. I blame that more on Star Wars and video games. Yeah. And I think that's a perfectly fair critique, but it was just like, here's another point of view of saying that. And naturally 2012 internet did not like what she had to say. So I think another important thing to keep in mind here is that uh, one, I disagree with some of the evidence she would use here and there. I'm not going to go into specifics, which kind of feels like a cop out, but I also don't want to taint Joe's view of this. If he ever watches it himself, which I guess kind of am anyway, but I'm, I'm going to restrain myself from that because part two in her series, she looks at more modern video game examples and like, it definitely felt more like she was looking for examples of women being objectified than 
examples of women being objectified in games that people actually played. Well, I, I will say, though, from what you said, that the thesis of what you're saying, I don't disagree with, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to that, that, that really was all that women in video games were portrayed as at this point. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I, I do think that to say that it's because they're all sexist isn't necessarily fair. That could be the case. But I think it's more evidence of this industry needs to grow past this because it's been doing this for way too long which I do think there's a lot of truth in. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then, you, you should have been figuring out how to not do that narratively every single time in your games by the 10th year your industry exists. Mm-hmm. But it also depends on the sort of cultural trends that the developers and the and the consumers want to support as well, right? Because like, if you kind of want to keep with, with the same old, same old, then you kind of recycle that stuff, right? Um, and in an industry that is overwhelmingly male-dominated, at that time, especially, very much. Like, that's what's that's kind of an un, unfortunate byproduct. You know, it's not an intention. And I think that was the other thing, right? And that's the other major point I want to make is that one of her assertions is that, like, when you objectify women in games through these ways, though not explicitly, you are subconsciously changing the player and the consumer. And I I have a hard disagreement on, you know the subconscious being perverted by uh, the media we consume sort of stuff, because that to me feels like the same argument that was being used for violence in video games back in the nineties. And I'm seeing a lot of like, like gamers and games journalism and the game developers were all like, Hey, violence isn't corrupting us in these games. But this, sense of maybe this objectification of women is just doesn't seem to match logically in my mind so yeah i've always i kind of feel like the personality of a person determines what games they play i don't think that the games you play will end up determining your personality Mm -hmm. no that's kind of how like it doesn't yeah that doesn't make yeah. sense. It's, it's that, that that's kind of how I feel about it. As weird as yeah, it's not it's not the smut that's gonna like it's not Leisure Suit Larry that's gonna turn the gamer into a pervert. He was a pervert before he bought. Leisure yeah, yeah, Suit exactly. Larry. That's kind of I kind of feel that way. Mm-hmm. And I would be inclined to agree with you on that as well, Joe. Because I just as as a whole, like I don't. I think like blaming. Our, our subconscious for things that we do, I think is ridiculous because your conscious is what's in control, not your subconscious. Yeah. Right? Like for example, I've like, you just said, I've been playing doom. I've played doom like forever. Mm-hmm. And, and I was always thinking, Oh, it's going to desensitize you to violence, which is like, I still, whenever these videos come up of like, like police body cam footage and stuff, I can't freaking watch it. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just horrifying. Yeah. As a desensitize anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say know. even, I would say even the most graphic example, right? Modern Mortal Kombat, like that still doesn't desensitize me to violence. And I mean, like, admittedly, I don't regularly play Modern Mortal Kombat, but like every now and then, I'll see like a random fatality pop up in my Facebook feed, and I'm just like, ugh. I mean, ugh. I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't played Mortal Kombat 11, but I've gone on YouTube and looked up, alright, what are the fatalities, just out of morbid curiosity, I'm like, what else could they possibly come up with? And I'm like, oh, man. 
Yeah. <laughs> Some of them like, okay, that one was pretty cool. Now, I will say the friendships are hilarious, but that yeah, was well. more of a response to that critique, very tongue-in-cheek, and I, I appreciate that aspect of it, too. But, um, but essentially, like, because she was coming after, like, these games are subconsciously making you a worse human being, the internet didn't necessarily like her message. She had a she had an audience, but in general, there was a lot of negative voices. So much so that she turned off comments and turned off likes and dislikes on her videos, and then she proceeded to be consistently harassed online for years. And she's probably still consistently harassed online to this day. I'm sure oh, yeah, she is. So, I'm sure if people knew who Anita Sarkeesian was before I mentioned her, you would hear that and go, "Ugh." Right. And I mean, like we're talking, she got doxxed whenever she would go to speak at universities, like people would call in gun threats to the university. Like it was, it was pretty bad. I'm not going to pretend like it isn't, but I'm also not going to pretend like that. That is an example of the majority of gamers rejecting her message. Cause like, yeah, I didn't even, I don't even know what this was. Yeah. Cause I was pretty in the know back then. Like the 100 people that frequent a 4chan board that is a whole bunch of misogynist sexists who you probably shouldn't take serious are probably the ones who are calling in all of these threats and doing all of this rancid shit. It just seems like more because, you know, there's 100 of them and the positive voices aren't as loud as the negative ones. And quite frankly, um, I got to I got to give kudos to Anita because she really played the situation perfectly. For her sake because she's been like hey guess what you're officially proving the misogyny that i'm trying to say is in video games by doing all this stuff to me so yeah, it's true it, it was very much a you know you would think the people on the internet would know not to feed the troll but they fed the troll yeah and, and he did 4chan of old people yeah exactly so it was very much like ultimately like I will say that like the cultural impact of Anita Sarkeesian's videos and her story has been heard by game devs. And Joe, I'm not sure if you've noticed this, but like I like I kind of have a joke in my head that every time like I watch an E3 or or like a big game announcement, like I kind of keep a tally of how many female protagonists there are versus male protagonists. And in true, and in 2012, it was more, it was like 90-10. Right, that was proportionality, male to female. But these days, it's definitely more 50-50. Honestly, I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's certainly worthwhile. And in the indie space, I would say it's probably leans a little bit more like 60-40, right? Uh, or not 60-40, like 40-60, rather. Where there's... Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot more female protagonists in games than male in the indie space specifically, but... Um, all that to say that, like, I think the sort of combination of Anita Sarkeesian saying, hey, it's the feminist thing to do to not objectify women, plus lots of people who work in the entertainment industry leaning politically left, which embraces feminism, you know, very much like we don't want to be considered bad feminists by not listening to this. So they're going to do the thing. And then the market goes that way. So she was successful. And unfortunately, I think she was successful because of the harassment stuff that she received, which ultimately, like, I don't think she should have received it. I don't by any means. Right. Like, it's ridiculous to show death threats. That's insane. Yeah. But 
that's what happened, right? So that was 2012 to current day sort of stuff. But there's another event that happened in the middle. So the event that did actually kick off, quote unquote, Gamergate as we know it. Uh, Anita Sarkeesian was basically kind of like the primer for it, right? The sort of thing that made people more sensitive to the whole subject. Because her videos are coming out and, you know, this discussion is happening for a couple of years and all that. And then uh, the developer of a game called Depression Quest, an indie game developer, Zoe Quinn, she breaks up with her boyfriend. And her boyfriend writes a very mean blog post that gets circulated around in, in like, you know, small internet chat room sort of stuff. And in that blog post, the boyfriend accuses... Zoe Quinn, the indie game developer of uh, cheating on him with a games journalist in order to get a favorable review for her game. Okay. This was false. <laughs> this oh, didn't boy. happen. But, of course, naturally, Mob Rule runs with it, right? So they're all like kind of chatting with themselves about it and, you know, just kind of you know, being shitlords, for lack of better terms, right? Uh, the usual stuff. Meanwhile, the rest of gamers are just, you know, playing games, minding their own business, reading game reviews on occasion, you know, just being consumers, doing all that stuff. At this point, I had stopped reading game reviews. Mm-hmm. And at I this point, we're in 2014. I was even watching at all was Total Biscuit because he was the only freaking person that I related to. Mm-hmm. But basically... You know, these like these groups of these groups of misogynist gamers, they start kind of leaking out on occasion, right, to different forums and whatnot uh, on these game journalist websites, especially the one of the website that was uh, that was accused of writing the review. Right. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the 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 website in question, which uh, I forget, I don't think it was Kotaku. It might have been Polygon. But well, they definitely made, one of these two. Yeah, they officially kind of blew the lid up on this. And in their article, it was very much a Anita Sarkeesian was right about all you bastards. You're all sexist, misogynist Ooh. pigs, and we have the proof. <laughs> so then you get the rest of gamers who didn't know any of this shit was happening because this was a small group of people who knew about this quote unquote juicy drama, which wasn't even true. Right? It was just a dude salty about breaking up with his game developer ex-girlfriend. And everybody else was like, we're not sexist. We're not what Anita Sarkeesian says we are. Boo! And so like, you basically just kind of get a whole bunch of uh, people saying games journalism is a bunch of BS. Right? And isn't the internet a great place? It can be. <laughs> not everything can be us. Not everything sometimes can it be gives us that He-Man music video, hey us, sometimes it gives us Gamergate. You, you, you yep. never know what you're going to get. But... Sometimes it's Josh fight. Sometimes <laughs> it's Q. I'm so glad Josh won that. Uh, yeah, yeah, good for Josh. Good for Josh. Good for Josh. But, you know, all of this is happening. And meanwhile, you have game journalists who are like, hey, stop saying game journalism is the problem. You're being a misogynist pig by helping out these misogynist pigs. And so you kind of get this interesting philosophical debate of like, the quote unquote like misogynist like actual bad people are kind of you know blending in with the crowd at this point because now there's a big crowd of gamers being like hey 
we're not misogynist pigs. How dare you call us that? And, you know, I disagree with Anita Sarkeesian because of this, 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 you know, and, you know, some of them are legitimate reasons. Some of them are just kind of your usual, like, regurgitated stuff that isn't very well thought out, right? But yeah. those comments aren't being taken seriously because they're associated with the misogynist pigs. Right? Yeah, but this is the thing about journalists, especially in, in nonsense industries like the gaming industry, you know, industries that don't really matter, mm -hmm. is that they're, they'll just say things just to trigger people because it gets some clicks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I, I mean, this I is definitely a very click-heavy subject. Yeah, I, I don't, I honestly, I don't think Alex Jones thinks, believes half of what he says, but he profits off of your outrage culture. So we just got to keep doing it. Yeah, naturally. It's just, it's like he's, he's it's it's that's what these people do. This is state of journalism. They're trying. And it's to like okay, you're on the left. You're, he's going to outrage you because you hate what he's saying. You're on the right. He's going to outrage you because you're going to think what he's saying about all these conspiracies and stuff. And you're just going to be convinced, and you're all just going to keep feeding him food. Mm -hmm. That's all that's going on when you when journalists would do this kind of stuff, especially mm -hmm. especially when it's an industry like gaming, where like I said, it doesn't really matter. There's not really much consequence to stirring up this hornet's nest. You know, because people are going to keep buying your stupid video games no matter what happens. Yeah, a good game is a good game is a good game. It doesn't matter what the narrative content of it is, right? Unless yeah. it's a narrative game that isn't that good, right? But that's a different beast. Um, but essentially, right, like that's the situation. You have a bunch of ticked off gamers who aren't being taken seriously whenever they're giving critiques to the games journalism industry. And then you have a couple of indie game devs. I think like the guy behind uh, Fez and uh tim schaefer like made fun of gamergate as well so naturally gamers didn't appreciate that that's why people he... hate team meat i think so because i've seen stuff about people calling team meat scumbags that i've always been like why no one's really saying why it m might be this i think so the so this... guy was among this list as well yeah so i think i think that was the reason right because you have these very recently famous indie people who are saying, hey, the the games journalist people have a point. Anita Sarkeesian was right. You're all a bunch, you're acting like a bunch of misogynist pigs. And then, like, honestly, like, as I was reflecting on this as a whole, you know what it reminded me of, Joe? It reminds me of the political rhetoric we had to endure from 2016 to 2020, where if somebody was Republican, it was automatically like, oh, you supported Trump. Therefore, I'm not going to listen to anything you say, even though like maybe you want to have a good discussion about foreign policy or domestic policy or ethics or whatnot. But that's instantly being thrown out because you're being associated with this crowd, even though the crowd isn't what the people are saying it is. Right. But just apply apply that sort of frame of mind a few years earlier, but to gamers versus games journalists. So that's I mean, also kind of why I was using like the left versus right comparison earlier, right? To me, that just sounds like the internet. For sure. It's all that either side does on the internet. It's just obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And naturally, uh, Anita Sarkeesian got a popularity boost during Gamergate because Gamergate happened a couple of years after she started publishing her YouTube videos. And uh, she even made an appearance on the Colbert Report. All right. Like back when that was a thing. Uh, and very much kind of uplifted and got to let a national audience know that gamers are a bunch of sexists. Hmm. So you can imagine how the gamers took that. I'm sure, though, in this case, it was very humorously done. Uh, it, it depends. I remember watching it live and being very confused 
because I didn't know how to feel about it. Because, like, this lady I disagree with is on my evening show, Funny Man. What am I supposed to do? Oh, yeah, to be honest, I say that mostly because I, I really liked the Colbert Report. Yeah, but admittedly, I was also, what, like, 21? Something like that. So, uh, you know, I was still forming my opinions on a lot of stuff at that time. But, uh, you know, and essentially, the fire died down eventually. People started realizing that, oh, all gamers aren't a bunch of sexists. It was just a handful of misogynist trolls, and this got blown way out of proportion, especially since the inciting incident wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And the inciting incident being the breakup, right? So, uh, and the result of all this is what I was getting at earlier. I think game developers listened, and they saw the sort of culture shift, and they're reacting to it, Right reacting to it in a lot of like, oh, we have a lot more people who are feminist conscious here. Let's start throwing in a bunch of more female protagonists for this reason, right? Because okay, now there's this a financial why reason whenever, to do it. Whenever a game's announced female protagonists, everyone's like, oh, you're just doing it because of this. Probably. I think there's a little that bit of that. happens with movies, too. It kind of bothers me when I see that because there's an assumption of they're just doing it for like a quote-unquote feminist agenda. Mm-hmm. And there's the other aspect of like, well, these things keep making money, so there's clearly a market for it, and there probably always has been. Yeah, and they could be legitimately wanting to do it. Not every yeah. time this happens, it does not necessarily mean that they're giving in to some mob. Now, I'm guaranteed, I guarantee you, some of them have. It's Definitely suggest otherwise, but it also there becomes a weird blanket thing where every time you ever feature a woman as protagonist, you just assume it's pandering. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, stupid. and that's a bit of where this came from, right? Because it's just like you know, before it didn't matter whether it was a male or female protagonist. There'd be the occasional female protagonist, right? Like, mm. say Jade from Beyond Good and Evil, uh, Samus from Metroid, um, that one lady from Heavenly Sword <laughs> on the PlayStation Three, uh, Bayonetta, you know, stuff like that. But you know, now suddenly there's female protagonists who are just kind of being the same sort of blank slate sort of character that the male protagonists often were. And that feels like it's a bit soulless and kind of more market driven than like creative driven. But that's on a case by case basis. Sometimes you get something like cyberpunk where it's just both. Well, yeah. And admittedly, I think we've seen a lot of, uh, we've seen a lot of games where it's just like, okay, you can choose to be either a male or female protagonist. And it's like, okay, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a perfectly fine middle ground for this issue, right? Um, and honestly, there's been a lot of AAA games that have gone that route. Uh, two that really stick in my mind are um, basically all the Assassin's Creed games from Syndicate onward have had both a male protagonist and a female protagonist that you can change between at any point in the game. Really? Like they're yeah, they're like two separate characters, and they're both doing their thing, and they're base they're both basically doing the same stuff and i'm pretty sure like they have the same abilities or maybe they have slightly different abilities i'm not too sure about that because i haven't played assassin's creed but my brother has and you know you'll switch between them for different story missions or you'll just switch between them because you want to um so there's an example of that uh uh, dishonored 2 like at the beginning of the game you choose whether to be the male protagonist or a female protagonist and you play the rest of the game as that character so that's another example um that like ultimately this issue kind of comes down to like one side exaggerating the other side 
saying, no, that's not the case. And then not realizing the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It, it's, it's like the case of everything. Ain't that the truth? It's just, it's just, it's just the internet, man. It truly is. It truly is. But you know, whole bunch of Twitter hashtags and calling out games journalists. So like there's that one meme where uh, there's like the reporter lady in mass effect and like, the renegade option is to punch her because she gives you bad press. Right. And I remember seeing just this one video where it was titled Gamergate in a nutshell. And you go up to her and you're like, Hey, you gave me bad press. And she's like, blah, 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 blah. And then like somebody dubs in, uh, um, actually it's about games journalism and then punches her in the face. Like, Oh, it's the idea of being able to do that in the video game where you just punch a reporter. A lady reporter at that. Well, I, it wasn't even that it's a lady reporter. It's that you could punch a reporter. That just sounds like, for that petty reason, it just sounds funny. Mm, for sure. Uh, and I mean, that, well, I mean, that's just mass effect of the whole, right? Like, it lets you do a bunch of different stuff. But anyway, like, on the subject of Gamergate, like, my, old, like, my bottom line, kind of where I'm at with this, is that... Um, I think like we're far enough past it to say that like one, I still disagree with Anita Sarkeesian's assertion that video games subconsciously teaching us to objectify women is going to turn us into misogynist pigs. Right. I still fundamentally disagree with that notion. Well, maybe you like little babies. Maybe see that, but that, but then the, the but, concern there is like, why are you letting your five-year-old play Assassin's Creed? Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, what's the sort of female objectification that's happening in said game, right? Yeah. Like, um, like in Mario's case, like it's very easy to look at that as Peach is Mario's girlfriend, and he is trying to save somebody he loves. Yeah, but but then like your five-year-old shouldn't be playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Which is a case when it comes to that whole like misogynist idea. It's like, yeah. It's and I would odd. add in I would add in that your thirteen year old should not be playing dead or alive extreme beach volleyball. No, 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 no. There is a degree of that in mm-hmm. there. But that's specifically when it comes to the idea of video games affecting how people are and turning them to misogynists of like maybe very, very, very young people. Mm-hmm. If they're yeah. older, they're probably already like that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, in general, just I I reject the notion that, you know, you are a worse person because your subconscious has been made worse. I think that uh, ultimately it comes down to what you consciously do. Because, I mean, like, you can have bad thoughts. But just because you have bad thoughts doesn't make you a bad person. Right? So you act on it. Yeah, it takes a degree of action, and our conscious is there to filter those and be like, that's a bad thing, don't do that. And I feel like you're not recognizing that aspect of it, because, I I mean, the other thing is, like, back to the violence in video games thing, like, gamers for decades have been primed to reject the notion that video games are making them worse human beings to completely reject it. And this was another example of that, right? And 
ultimately, I think that like that core message got lost in the weeds because, you know, whenever people are bad at arguing, they just kind of grab whatever they can. And, you know, instead of attacking Anita Sarkeesian's talking points, they attack her as a person. And it's like, ad hominems do nobody any good. Please Mm stop. What's interesting is that it seems like the people that were upset at her, though, were mostly the right. In this example, yeah. Right now... It seems like the right are the only people saying that video games cause violence because they were doing that again recently. Yeah, I think it's just been a slow news day on their end, to be yeah. honest. It's, it's interesting. Of like, but, There's this odd hypocrisy there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of like, So do they cause violence or do they not? Like, what, what do they do? Well, I mean, like, if you look at it from that perspective, right, from the American politics perspective, on the right, it's saying that video games cause violence. But on the left, it's saying video games cause misogyny. Yeah. And it's like, maybe they don't do either of those. Like, I don't feel like I'm a worse human being for enjoying Tetris. Or Maybe, maybe we should stop finding a scapegoat and figure out what the real problem is. Yeah. Simple things like that, right? Like, the point of the breach, right? So, I mean, that's what this breach ultimately is, is that nobody quite understood what the heck it was. They started blaming people for a bunch of things that weren't true, and people got angry. And then it kind of calmed down eventually because, uh, you know, people calm down after a little while. But well, I think it's also fair to say of the inciting inc- – it was built on something that was, like, true partially. Mm-hmm. Usually, m- most of the time when these things come around, it is. Like, even the most conspiratorial aspects, it's really just built on the aspect of, like, hey, our government can't be trusted. And then it stems from there, but the actual basis of it is like, well... Games journalism as, can't be trusted. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah, as history has proven, yeah, the government can't necessarily be trusted. And like the idea of like, hey, gamers can be misogynist. Like, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Many gamers are misogynist. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, it's less of old gamers are misogynist, more there are misogynists in the world who happen to be gamers. Yeah, exactly. Like, games don't decide... Who plays them? Yeah, which if you and, want, the, the only real way to prove that old gamers aren't misogynists is to find those misogynist people you know and be like, dude, kind of a misogynist. Yeah, you know. Now I will I, say, like, none of us are. We're just going to deny any exist because you know they dig. They exist, man. Come on. Now I will say, during my research, <laughs> the Innuendo Studio videos, which I'll go ahead and link those as well as the other video. Uh, in the description of this episode, but the innuendo, the innuendo studio videos that approached us from the left perspective, like did a really good job of humanizing the people who were opposing Gamergate, right? He said there were two distinct groups. There, He's the one who came with the hypothesis of the misogynist hiding in the crowd of legit gamers and specifically legit gamers who got riled up about something that they disagreed with. Right. And, you know, I think he takes his argument a little too far, right? In that he's still saying like, oh, like their argument's invalid because they're siding with the misogynist. But it's like, no, let's talk about the argument and like the actual merit of the thing they're saying instead of who is on their side, mm-hmm. right? Because you can find crazy nut jobs that'll side you with you on any topic if you look hard enough. It's not that hard. 
Uh, so Joe, what are your, what are your sort of, what's your bottom line final thoughts on all this? Cause I think it was, I think this was something worth talking about ultimately, not like in this podcast, but like, I think Gamergate was an event that had to happen at some point, mm-hmm. but I think the reaction from the games journalism side didn't take this the proper amount of serious because of the whole, like we're associating the opposition with the misogynist pigs instead of actually talking about the subject of what they're frustrated with. Yeah. Well, here's an aspect that I just looked into. I went on the steam store, looked up popular tags Mm -hmm. and the 20th, the 20th, one, most popular ones are nudity and sexual content. So mm-hmm. that suggests something as to games that are making a ton of money on Steam right now. And if you look yeah. at the ones that are high up there, they're not exactly ones that are reputably known for not being misogynist. So there's an argument that they are still here, in fact, and they always mm-hmm. have been. Yeah, but... And I will say that I think it's it, it's worth noting that you can critique a game's content without crucifying the character of the players, mm-hmm. right? And I think establishing that as best you can is a good – and reinforcing that throughout the conversation is important because what I just said of it's important to critique content without saying that it's a bad game is what Anita Sarkeesian would say at the beginning of each of her videos, but she wouldn't reinforce that idea throughout. Mm-hmm. So it just comes off as a bunch of like, you know, this game is making you a worse human being by you playing it and you're complicit in that. And that's definitely not the case because by, because honestly, by being made aware of it, you basically nullify any potential for it to make you worse. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause now, you know, like, Oh, you know, there's this theme in here. whoop de doo And being consciously aware of it keeps it at bay. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because your conscious is stronger than your subconscious. But then you got that big group of people that played a game specifically for that reason. Yeah, and there's always going to be those folks, right? Like, oh, I'm going to play this game to support this thing or for like this one hyper-specific thing that isn't necessarily related to gameplay or all that stuff. I mean, heck, everybody's favorite punching horse at this point, Balan Wonderworld. Sorry. Yeah, it is Balan Wonderworld. <laughs> Right, people I bought that so. because they were fans of Yuji Naka and Nights into Dreams. That's it. And Those they poor, like poor it. souls. Like as soon as that game got announced, I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to be good, is it?" And guess what? Here so we are. Matt McMuscles and his "What Happened" video for that game. He he realized halfway through his video, it's like, "Shoot, I've been calling it Wonderland this whole time." Yeah, it's Wonder World. <laughs> it's really funny. Threw me off too. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. So there you go. That is Gamergate in a nutshell. Um, I hope that you, dear listener, uh, found this to be an intriguing episode. And, you know, I think that there's certainly much more to discuss. But, you know, when it comes to discussing the content of a game, it's important to be specific and not general, right? Uh, saying that, oh, this this theme here is a little, like, why would they do that is perfectly valid to say, but saying 
gaming is making you a worse human being, that's a good way to not have a fruitful conversation. And actually, actually, the breach. I, I guess I had a thought that we yeah, had discussed that I think plays into this, probably because they didn't, doesn't seem like they mentioned it when they should have. Hmm. We should talk about multiplayer gaming. Ooh. Because okay. I just, I, I don't play much multiplayer anymore, but I have. I've been, I'm in many Discord servers. A few of them I've left. And if you want, if you ask me, are the majority of people you've played online games with misogynistic? Yes. <laughs> yes. They're disgusting people. The chat in these games is always disgusting. It's a cesspool. I think there's a valid argument. That's a valid point in favor of video games being misogynist because you basically can't go a day without running into at least two of them. Yeah, and I mean, toxicity online is you know, just something that comes with online multiplayer as a yeah, whole. Yeah, right? but that, that is something that I do think goes in, because I'm not even talking about playing obscure games. I'm talking like Overwatch when it came yeah. out. Millions upon millions of players. The fact that you consistently run into two, that's a lot of people. If mm-hmm. it really is a small minority of the public. It's like, I don't know, for a small minority, I'm sure running into a lot in this particular game. Yeah, and maybe that's just the nature of running it. Maybe that's just the nature of that game, right? Like that, it unintentionally attracts those sorts of folks. Yeah, and Call of Duty, always Halo is a notorious one. It's yeah, but is that because of those games themselves, or because of something else? It's hard to say. I don't don't know, but that I think that that's something that we that's worth noting. Yeah, I I definitely think it's worth noting, right? I I find it interesting that did did what was this person's name? What was her name? Anita Sarkeesian? Yeah, did she bring up multiplayer gaming at all? Uh, not in the videos I watched. She probably did in other videos because, like, she has a booming YouTube career from this. Yeah. But well, because that should I be mean, like I one just... of her main points. Yeah. So the fact just... that they don't is kind of like I don't know well good of an argument just... you're making. Just like yeah, people who play multiplayer games constantly, there's a fair amount of them that are socially inept weirdos. Who yeah. say shit they shouldn't? Yeah. Well, I think those no. things. I don't know, but I, believe me, some of these people. I I I think some of them meant quite a bit of what they were saying because they were those kind of people, and I. Yeah. Yeah. So. There you go, guys. There you Video go. Video games. Video games. Gotta love them. Gotta love them. I, I don't think they make us worse human beings, but I think it's up to us to be good human beings who play video games. Mm-hmm. With great so, power comes the need to be a good person. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? Please be a good person. <laughs> don't be misogynistic. Yeah, please. It's not just, hard to not be misogynistic. It's not. Yeah, just be a decent human. Yeah. Just... Be, be a human. Alrighty, so I think that wraps up everything here, Joe. Unless uh, you have something else you want to add? No, no, that's it's, it's been an interesting conversation. I I do feel like I know a lot more about this now. And glad I'm to just be a service buddy. Past, so yeah, yeah, it's not a hot button issue where people are going to see we're talking about Gamergate and then just flame us. So I, I, I do nice. kind of I do see in video games now when it there there is a. There is a trend where games seem a little less pervy than it used to be, and personally, I kind of like that. I'm completely fine with that. Yeah, because a lot of it is just distracting from whatever the core experience is. Yeah. So, 
Really, it does seem like this whole thing, maybe it did work out for the better in the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe it did. I think, I think it did. There's certainly good things that have come from it. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give kudos where kudos are due there. But definitely, like, if people are – another thing, if people are trying to trigger you online, you don't have to be triggered, guys. And that goes especially for you games journalists. Well, they just have to make the money. I I know easy mode exists for you, but just please just understand that people don't like you and that's okay. Also, you can say it for journal, but everyone else, please stop clicking on links to we've got this covered. Please. Because that website is trash and reportedly everything happens and you all keep clicking on this. And they keep you getting views, covered. and they keep making what money. Is, if you open up your, if you open up Google at any point and you see the articles, I guarantee you there's going to be one there that will say like uh, Lana Del Rey reportedly going to be Captain Marvel in Captain Marvel Two. You will always find one, and every okay. time it just clicks. So that's like the epitome of scum journalism that just has no merit whatsoever. Click clickbaity yellow journalism yep yep but we got this covered is actually like considered a reputable source these days by people it's not just those things that appear at the bottom after the article that's like five ways to use hair as a brush <laughs> these are like that's real like yeah. uh, oh here's one here we got this covered marvel removes chris evans from captain america banners and uses anthony mackie instead they didn't they made a poster with Anthony Mackie as Captain America. Chill. Yes, because that's what happens in the comics. It's the Falcon Freaking becomes Captain idiots. America. People clicked People on that. People not know this beforehand. People clicked like, on that. Yeah. <sighs> Clickbait. You got it. It's mm, yuck. Anyway, uh, that's been us. Uh, <laughs> tell us what you guys thought of this episode. Uh, you can... Uh, talk to us by uh, Facebook and Twitter. At Facebook, we're Unto the Breach Podcast. And on Twitter, we are at Unto the Podcast. And if you're listening to us on Apple or iTunes, please leave us a five-star review. That goes a long way to uh, helping us spread the podcast more. And, you know, guys, uh, if you're fighting a culture war against uh, feminists who are making straw men out of you, or maybe you're fighting a culture war against misogynists who are trying to hide amongst the gamers, make sure that you're well hydrated because it's not going to do you any good to be thirsty and angry. So please, please, please drink your water. Mm-hmm.